gonna be in the know About how we put together our little show If you'd like to hear the puppeteers And play the characters that you cheer So join us as we go, go, go Below the frame On this episode of Below the Frame We are talking with Muppet performer and author Noel McNeil and yes, we're going to talk about Bear in the Big Blue House, among other things. Plus, we'll be dropping by the injury corner and asking a puppeteer about not puppets. It's that time again. It's time to go below the frame. Woo! Go, go, go below the frame. Welcome to Below the Frame. My name is Matt Vogel, and if you have been listening to our podcast, well, one time or, you know, all the times, uh, just, if you could, take a minute to right now and and rate and review our show. It apparently helps something that I know nothing about. Something with numbers, probably, shoe size. I, I don't know. Anyway, go ahead. I will wait. That seems like enough time. Uh, thank you for helping out. Today on Below the Frame, I'm talking with my friend Noel McNeil. Noel is a writer and a director and a puppeteer. And you all know Noel. He was Bear on Bear in the Big Blue House. And we're going to talk uh, about a lot of things in this interview, including Bear in the Big Blue House. So what are we waiting for? Let's go below the frame with Noel McNeil. Go, go, go. Noel McNeil, Good welcome morning. to Below the Frame. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing, Maddie? I am doing pretty, pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. You know, uh, still standing, still hanging in there. Still, still hanging like the in there. Still hanging in there. <laughs> so, Noel, uh, thank you for joining me here. I'm going to ask you some questions. We're going to go way back to to your childhood. Is that okay? Ah, right after fire. Okay, sure. <laughs> right. Yes. We oh. weren't one of the rich kids on the block. We could only afford one torch. So, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. We'll start back from there, kids. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> where, where did you grow up that you had this one torch? <laughs> in a two cavern cave with a half bath. Wow. I grew up in a, I grew up, I was born and raised in central Harlem in New York City. So what? I am one of those rare breeds. I am a native New Yorker. You are. About what, what street? Uh, 132nd Street between 5th and Lenox Avenue. I know it's called, I think, Adam Clayton Powell Boulevard now, or Mount, no, Malcolm X, called Malcolm X Boulevard. But it will always be Lenox Avenue. In fact, right. it, it has like Malcolm X, but underneath is Lenox Avenue, because we all know it as Lenox <laughs> yeah, Avenue. Everybody knows it as like, that. It's a thing. And I grew up in a, in a, it's an apartment complex it's called the Lenox Terrace. And my mom moved us there when I was, I think, two. And it was, because we originally lived in this other historic, like, apartment complex called the Dunbar, like, mm. further up into Harlem. And one of their neighbors was uh, Bill Robinson, like, the tap dancer, Bill Bojangles Robinson. Wow. He apparently had a crush on my grandmother. But, oh, uh, wow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, but that's another podcast. So we're going um, deep. <laughs> doing <me> deep back. <laughs> but then um, after, um, after my father left when I was 18 months old, that's when uh, she moved uh, her, me, her mom, and her uncle, who all lived in the same apartment, and moved us to the Lenox Terrace. And so we lived there. And the Lenox Terrace is brand new. Uh, apartment complex. The, it was, it's one of six buildings that we lived in. It was the last one. 
and it was like a, had a door. It's, and so when I say I grew up in Central Harlem, we're not talking about like Noel avoiding the gangs and like you know beating rats with a stick. Oh no, right. it's like Noel grew up in the the doorman building with the terrace <laughs> and the the view of like Midtown Manhattan, like way way downtown and all that. So it's like it's not no, too shabby. No, it's like. Yeah, not too shabby. No, this is not the projects. I right. had friends who did live in the projects, the Lincoln projects. I would visit them, but no, this was this was pretty pretty much the Jeffersons, without the puppets yet. So, <laughs> and tell me about your family. Tell me about your mom, Edna. My mom, Edna. Edna is like the the person like everybody when she died. Like everybody, like it, it like came out of the woodwork and just like I'm so sorry about your mom because I remember when I had to announce it on Facebook. And I just did this mass, like, pretty much, it was like, look, there's too many of you. I just, (laughs) it would would go through the list individually. I can't do that. Yeah. But my mom was a single mom, and she uh, raised me and took care of her mom and uncle while they lived with us. And she held down two jobs. Oh, my gosh. Because when I was a kid, when it was time to go to high school, junior high, high school, it was either the school where the kid got stabbed or the school where the kid got shot. Okay. <laughs> and so she was like, oh, no. <laughs> no. We're not doing that. So she found this private school downtown in midtown Manhattan. It was called Rhodes, the Rhodes Preparatory School. And went down, and I had to take this, like, test to make sure like, I was smart enough to get it because I was thinking about Rhodes. You had to be smart, and you had to be able to pay for it. <laughs> so... I took the test and I was like, yeah, it's like you can you can get in. And then it was like some like a five hundred dollar like deposit. <laughs> my mom didn't actually have it. So she said, um, so she said, okay, I'll 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 send it in. And she was like wondering how to get it. And we got home and my uncle was there waiting and asked how it went. And she told him. And by sheer coincidence, like that day. He played the numbers, not the lottery kids, the numbers. <laughs> and he, he actually he actually won $500. Whoa. And he just gave it to her. So it was like wow. one of those times where it's just, it fell into place. Serendipitous. So, yeah. to him, I was able to, to go there for junior high and high school. So wow. he took the bus, the M1 bus, because she worked in Midtown still too. She worked at uh, CIT, which was this financial, one of those financial services corporate one of those real world jobs just yeah. like you know like the classic thing with friends what does Chandler Bing do for a living uh <laughs> something with numbers uh, that's exactly business. where she worked <laughs> but she was a secretary so so we would ride down together because I was due at school by like um like 8 45 and she was due at work by pretty much like 8 39 so we just rode down together sometimes we'd have and we would have breakfast together somewhere and she would go off and I would walk down the street because she worked on 59th Street. So I would, I would go to 54th Street. And it was 54th between 5th and 6th Avenue where Rhodes was. And went there for, back then it was like 7th, 8th grade. It was a, yeah. a junior high. Right. And then 9 through 12. So it was like six years. It was the other reason why my mom wanted me to do this was just to expose me to like other people. Yeah. And just like, you couldn't get more diverse than, than Rhodes. There were like... Black kids, but also white kids and Asian kids and uh, Hispanic kids and kids who um, were gay and kids who weren't, and so it was it was it was a mixed bag of, of people back in the. That's the 70s. really great. So that great. 
yeah, you were able to be exposed to those different kinds of people. How amazing. So uh, before we move on from here, I just want to say I remember meeting Edna several times. And right. man. I was wondering if you met Edna. It's like, oh, yeah. Of course you met Edna. Yeah, yeah. Everyone Such, met Edna. Yes. <laughs> Everyone did. She's like, please. <laughs> and she was so, I just remember her energy. She just was so, she had such, it seemed to me that she had just such confidence and she was just so sweet and, you know, uh, sassy and she just was great. I just, I loved her. Man, what, how lucky you were to have a mom like her. Yeah, she's, she's the reason why I got into this wacky Dolly Wiggling. Really? Business. Yeah, because I, I wanted, I, I always loved like puppets as a kid because mm-hmm. there were so many puppets I was on as a kid. It was like, you know, Captain Kangaroo, Sherry Lewis, um, Paul Winchell. And you yeah. had like his ventriloquist dummies, yeah. Winchell Mahoney time. Also found out Paul Winchell invented the artificial heart. So, uh, what? I didn't. Yes. That's... He's one of the people that invented the artificial heart. So before doing Tigger, he was tinkering away with a heart. <laughs> what a maverick. I know. And then, um, and then I was just like, I saw when I was a kid, I was like, I, was, I guess I was like seven years old. It was a Sunday night and it was about 6.30 at night and it was on PBS. And it was a half hour show talking about this brand new show coming on tomorrow morning. And it was just like, oh, what's this? And I always seen puppets that were like carved or like lamb chop, which was like a sock puppet. But these yeah. two, they were soft, but yet their mouths were like moving. And one had the shape of a football, and the one kind of looked like a banana. <laughs> and the names were Ernie and Bert. Uh-huh. And you see where I'm going with this one, kids. Yep. And yes, it was this <laughs> brand new show coming on tomorrow morning. And they showed scenes from it. And it was like, oh, this looks good. And then I saw Big Bird. And it was just like, oh, my God. It's like... It's a puppet that can walk around. It yeah. can walk around and talk. And it's like, I'm in. I'm, I, I know my alphabet. I know the numbers. I'm just going to watch it anyway. <laughs> and I would watch it like after school. I would watch it on the weekends. I didn't care. I would get the magazines. I was just like, watch along, got the album. Because yeah. it was just, it was great. And like the, the first like season was really like them figuring out like what this show was about. So like the Muppets weren't really with the cast all that much. They would have these segments. And the segments were kind of like, I mean, they would do like, you know, people in your neighborhood or I've got five people in my family. But then they would do like Octopus's Garden and, <laughs> and Menomina. I was like, yeah, what, what is this teaching? <laughs> what is this? Yeah. yeah. You know, I'd like to think that they were teaching, uh, they were just kind of opening children's eyes to imagination and fun. Yeah. And comedy, yeah, yeah. You know? that's what that's what John Stone is credited with saying one time. Like there was like a bit going on. It was just like some weird little bit, and somebody asked, "Like, what are we teaching?" <laughs> and John barked back, "How to have fun." <laughs> I like that. That's great. <laughs> yes, and that's it. So it's yeah. like it's just how to have fun. So then um, I, w- I watched the Muppets like make appearances on like Flip Wilson show and Dinah Shore and their specials like. The Great Santa Claus Switch and Bremontown Museum musicians, which I still love. Those yeah. are like one of the most gorgeous puppets I've ever seen. And then during high school was the height of the Muppet Show, and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to, to do. And I always, part of me always wanted to be an actor, but then I I realized early on, even as a kid, that my acting roles would be limited to like drug dealer number two or gang right. member number three. 
or parolee number five. And so I was just like, okay. So then I thought, well, maybe puppets, because mm. I can't be Abraham Lincoln, but I could be Abraham Lincoln's hat. So <laughs> yeah. this is long before Hamilton, who just yeah. like, broke that barrier. <laughs> so, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I uh, thought, well, Jim Henson's doing this, and he's got these people doing it. Maybe I could do this. They're making a living. So I thought, how do you become a puppeteer? So I did research the old-fashioned way. I went to the library, which is like Barnes & Noble, but it's free. Yeah. And I looked up two, two colleges. And one was both on the East Coast. One that you may have heard of, Matt, is the University of Connecticut. Ah, uh, yes. Connecticut. That's to this right. day, you can get your four-year master class <laughs> in puppetry. That's right. Yes, you can. Right. And, uh, and then the other one was here in Brooklyn, and it was called Pratt Institute. And within Pratt was a theater department. And within the theater department was a puppetry course. And I thought, oh, okay, so I've got two options. So then I did all this. Now, again, presenting this to, like, the single mom, holding down two jobs, taking care of me, like, the two older people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's like, okay. she got a lot on her plate. <laughs> yeah, it's like, no pressure here. Yeah, I'm going to be a puppeteer. I just kind of, like, brace myself. <laughs> I was like... And she said, she looked at me and said, okay, what do we have to do? Oh, wow. okay, well, there's this college and then there's this college. Okay, what do we have to do? <laughs> well, this is due then and this is due then. Okay, what do we have to do? That's all she kept saying wow. all the time. Just like, what do we have to do? Because she always said that, because she was a, a secretary. So she's like, I've been typing the same letters for like 38 years. It's like... You can always get a job. Don't get a job. Get a career. And so I was like, okay. She, she never had a. She never said have a backup plan. She never dismissed it. She never thought it was ridiculous. She at the end of all this, she said, and you know what? If you want to be a lumberjack tomorrow, we'll figure out how to do that. <laughs> That's <laughs> she amazing. Can't get more support than that. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty supportive. That's yes. pretty great. So what yeah. did you choose so to I, do? Where, where did you I, go? Uh, Pratt. I ended up going to Pratt. I, I was actually turned down by Connecticut because uh -huh. it was first come, first serve to Connecticut people. And so they had filled the slots, which made me think, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> You've got that many Connecticut how many, kids? How many slots were over there? Okay. Um, but I ended up going to Pratt. And as it turned out, the puppetry course was taught by a designer and builder for the Muppets named Kermit Love. Ah, uh, yes. And Kermit designed and built Big Bird and Snuffy. And for all of you out there, no, the frog was not named after him. It's just a weird coincidence <laughs> yep. that fate likes to throw at you. So I ended up going to Pratt, and I met Kermit. And then I met my freshman year was his senior year was Jim Krupa. And Jim would go on to have his own company, and we would puppeteer together on. And he's so, an amazing builder of puppets and mechanical. Uh, yes, like he teaches mechanics and, at, at, at the O'Neill Puppetry. Yeah. Uh, conference every year and so he does these amazing like little mechanics which is like unbelievable so yeah, he's awesome and he's a super nice guy too yeah so. he is and then when i wasn't going to pratt i during the summers i would be at kermit's shop on great jones street and i would help feather big bird <laughs> really <laughs> yes so, that was my summer job was like feathering big bird is that how you then got into wrangling or I mean, um, kind of, yeah. It's like I, 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 I would go down there and like feather the bird. For for the back then, it was like big with the the live show. Mm -hmm. So it was 
mainly doing the the live show one. So it was like like taking the feathers and then also like sewing them to like this very fine cloth. Yep. Like running them through. Yeah. <laughs> and then sewing them onto the body. Yeah. That's, <laughs> which is uh, different from the regular bird, which I also did was like refurbish and like, you know, we need a brand new big bird. So we feather a big bird and just take the, the feather, steam curl it, put the hot glue gun on and like thousands and one. thousands of feathers. <laughs> <laughs> it's like two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, so, did I mention there was no air conditioning? Oh, okay. <laughs> but you know, probably it was. Yeah, it just took a couple hours, I'm sure, to to put all the feathers on Big Bird. Yeah, a couple of hours, like five pounds of sweat. It's fine. It's like really, it's like the little the little rubber tips, and it's where you don't burn your fingers. Yeah. And then for my, I was supposed to go back for my uh, senior year, but when I applied to Pratt, they said that they, they were closing that closing out the theater department. So I was the last person they were allowing into the theater department. So. By graduation, I literally would have been in the class by myself had I stayed. Oh my god! And then that summer, just before, like sometime in August, just before going back, Kermit's assistant then, Rob Gardner, was leaving to do this job in Florida, and so Kermit offered me the job of being his assistant. So I was like, let me take a microsecond to think this over, <laughs> and I was like, okay, yeah, I do it. And then that's how I became Wrangler on uh, on Sesame before. Doing background stuff, like the mm-hmm. Wrangler, which was great because it was such an education in television production yeah. and just seeing how this show is put together. Because back then the show was an hour. I joined in the fall of 1982. Mm-hmm. So back then the show was still an hour. So there was like all the street stuff, which, is, which was separate from the insert stuff. And so they would do a show in the morning and then a show in the afternoon. And I would um, sit in on the production meetings. And that was back when the studio was on 55th and 9th at Unitel. And yeah. upstairs, the production meeting was in the... Uh, Unitel used to be a theater, like a vaudeville and then a movie theater. So we were upstairs in the balcony. And so sitting there, you could see like up through... You were above the lighting grid. So now you could see up above and you could see like all of like what used to be the grand architecture for this like little neoclassical kind oh, of theater cool. that was just like in its heyday must have been beautiful yeah but it was like gone yeah so oh man that's really cool oh yeah and just an education in like television production because we get the scripts and we go upstairs like my little scripts and like sit down and you know okay let's start and like item one cut and it's like what wait wait (laughs) what we haven't even discussed it wait a minute it's like i've got notes it's like no it's a cut (laughs) during this time when you were at these production meetings and and item three cut (laughs) they cut a lot of things (laughs) that's the reason why writers never should come to the production (laughs) (laughs) because of the fact that these little these little gems that you created, nope, gone. There must be like there must be like forty seasons worth of just cut items. I bet there are because of and it was like arbitrary reasons of like there's no time. It's too complicated. Um, yeah. and it, or it's like it's not funny. It's yeah. like, <laughs> don't like, like how this plays. <laughs> and then yeah, it's how this plays. It's like how did they get this far? Yeah, <laughs> so it's mm. like yeah. So it was like one time. I actually saved one bit. I remember I was really proud. It's like, there was this bit with Oscar and Slimy, and Slimy was going to take a mud bath. And the writer wrote it so that, you know, Slimy crawls into this little, like, little dish and starts splashing in, in the mud. Yeah. And it was just like, first of all, it was like, 
John Stone and them were like, wow, when the writer actually believes and like, <laughs> it's like actually cool. Yeah. But it's like how to do it. And they were about to cut it. And I, but I said, there is a way to do it. And I said, you use two slimies. It's like you do one, the normal slimy, and then you have the dish, but you have like a little shower curtain because he's taking a bath. Right. And that's where the second one is pre-rigged in this mud. And so that's what Mario did. He like puppeteered it behind it and like dropped it. And then Oscar like undoes the, the curtain and then you see Slimy just like splashing around in there. It's like, so I was very proud. Yeah. You saved a whole bit and yeah. made a fun, <laughs> like a fun visual discovery. Yeah. Like, it's like cheap puppet trick that yeah. you know, we do all the time. Wow. Yeah. So you got to Sesame Street kind of by way of wrangling. But, yeah. But then how did you transition into puppeteering? Um, it, it came like, it was like one of those things where um, I back them for Kevin, it was like Arlene Sherman was like casting stuff. And so she like asked me, he's like, no, would you want to puppeteer in this one bit? It was like, we, we need one more puppeteer. It's like, Sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> All right. Yeah. And I, uh, yeah, and it was like I was like my first speaking role for Sesame was a cashier. It was a cashier <laughs> with Grover online. Uh-huh. I think it was talking about being at the end of the line and then going to being first in line. And so he's at the end, he's waiting his turn. And it was on a wide shot. And Grover comes up, and my character, cashier, is supposed to turn and say, Sorry, this register is closed. Next register over there, please. Thank you. And I flubbed the line. <laughs> and I just dropped down. Uh. I flubbed it with an expletive. And that's when Frank Grover looks down and says, say what? <laughs> uh, everything up until that point was great. So we did a pickup with a close-up of my character. Yeah. So I got joked that this was your plan all along to get a close-up <laughs> to get a of your close character up. saying the line. <laughs> Mm. I mean, you'd been observing, you'd been watching the show, <laughs> so you yeah, knew how it works. Like, this is how it works. Yeah. So I was like, so if I just flood the line. And then I always loved like my handing for, for Jerry. When I got to do, when I would right hand for him with Mumford, he would mm-hmm. let me hold the wand yeah. <laughs> so I get to wave the wand. <laughs> You'll be the wand, yeah. Yeah. When I was wrangling, I remember back then, like for some reason, like Mumford, and the count shared bodies. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you would have to like yep. take off the count's cape, take off the sash, take off his head, and then put Mumford's head on and then Mumford's cape. <laughs> and like, and I remember one time I, I was funny. It was the count doing something. And then we had to change it over to Mumford. And I handed it to, to Jerry. And he's doing the bit. And I look at the monitor and I suddenly realize I didn't take the sash off. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops! But then, but then something happened. He flubbed it. It's like, like back to one. I was like, "Hi, could I just take this for one second?" <laughs> Taking it off, and <laughs> so you were wrangling and puppeteering. Yeah, at one point I was doing like both. Wow! At the same time, because that's how it happened with um, "Follow That Bird," which was the the Sesame movie, and we went up to Canada to shoot it. We were there for like three months, and so I was wrangling Big Bird, and also. Carol stand-in for yeah. Bird, but then also puppeteering as well. <laughs> yeah, you were like Madam Chairbird like, in, in the beginning. Yeah, right? Madam Chairbird. Yeah, who sets it all up. And I, to this day, I don't know how I got that. <laughs> I don't know who gave it to me, <laughs> but thank you, whoever you are. Give it to Noel. <laughs> God bless you. And then like all these like little like 
side characters and all that. And that was a great summer. That was a great experience. That was my first movie. Yeah. And it and was so cool. What was it like uh, to shoot uh, on, on a Sesame Street set, but it's not really on Sesame Street. You're in a whole other country. Yeah. It was like, oh, there was little things. First of all, when they made the street, they actually made the street with a curb. So a lot of us, I say the cast had to get used to like stepping off a curb. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. on the show, it's all painted. But here's an actual curb, and you're like, whoa. <laughs> and then there was like... Um, there was like a there was like a fire hydrant for the street, but it was just like that is nowhere near what a New York City fire hydrant looked like. <laughs> it was like bright yellow, yeah, and it had like this kind of like ornate. It's like that's very not a Canadian, New York. very Canadian, it, very Canadian. <laughs> Even Oscar's trash can was just like, but it was just like you know what, it's fine. It's a trash can. You can get away with it, but it did look different. It didn't look like Oscar's, it, it, but. and it. But the whole street kind of looks different too, doesn't it? I mean, just it it. Resembles well, it was, it. yeah, it resembled like one side of the street resembled like our street, but then they had to like build the other side, like across the street, yeah, with the curve, and then at the end, so they had to build it. So it was like, <laughs> it's like, Sesame so Street became this kind of like fairly depressed looking alley, <laughs> kind of. It's like, yeah, just kind of ends, live here? <laughs> yeah. Like, Got kind of like a warehouse on one end and like a brick wall at the other end of the street, and somehow you all live here. Yeah, <laughs> like, really, this doesn't seem safe. <laughs> yeah, it's just, but it was it was great between me and Debbie Spinney. We have like photographs, just like chronicling like that whole summer and like the wow. shoot, and it was awesome. And the best part was at the end was uh, when Big Bird comes home because first of all, it's written by Tony Geis and Judy Friedberg, who's like two of the best writers to ever yeah. grace the show. And the movie still holds up, the whole story, because of Big Bird being put into you know, a bird family. He should be with his own kind. Right. And when he suddenly realizes that you know, Snuffy can't come visit because he's not a bird, um, that's when he runs away. So then he finally, after misadventures and shenanigans, <laughs> he gets back to Sesame Street. And Miss Finch, the social worker, another body puppet, inside Cheryl Wagner, She's like, okay, come on, taking him back. And Maria's like, no, 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 he has a family here. And we have all kinds. We have birds, we have monsters, we have grouches. And they didn't hire enough extras. So they had to fill the street. <laughs> yep. So that's when, like, I'm, yep. <laughs> and the camera's doing this great 360. I remember, I remember up. seeing so your I'm face. Shot, yeah. <laughs> Debbie's in the shot. My mom, who is visiting, she's in the shot. Yeah. And it's like all these people from the shop, from wardrobe, transportation, catering, oh, the camera cool. crew, like all these people. So it was a great little cameo for the entire movie. These are the people who helped make this movie for you. <laughs> and you're getting to see them all. Yeah, getting to see them all. It was great. You're right. That movie is has a great message to it that's still relevant, still really works oh, yeah. today. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, they had a great anniversary of it a couple of years ago at the Museum of the Moving Image. And I uh, took my son there. And he was, I guess he was like 11 at the time, or 12, mm-hmm. and I thought, it's like, is he really going to enjoy this? He loved it, because he, I showed it to him when he was much little, but he had no memory of it. So we saw it again, and this was the first time I saw it again on a big screen, and it was great, and seeing him, he really enjoyed it. And a little tell is like, if he ever sits forward while watching something, that means he's really into it. <laughs> oh, that's cool, yeah. Aha, uh-huh. yeah. so I was like, okay, he's in, and he was sitting forward for it. You know, you, you had said just a minute ago that you doubled for Carol as Big Bird on that film, uh, I mean, that wasn't the first time, or was it, that you had played a full body 
character. No, it wasn't. It wasn't the first time I doubled for Carol because first of all, Carol like like trusted me with Bird because there was like there was like the Thanksgiving Day parade that was coming up, and he asked. Because he didn't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I, and I understand. I totally get why. <laughs> all right, kids. It's not easy. It's like, would you, would you mind doing it? It's like, no, not at all. And I felt really honored that he would trust me with this, like, this character of his, this baby. Yeah. And so I, I, I would do the parade. But I, wouldn't, I didn't do it the way, like, you know, we've done it, where actually putting your arm up. There was this hideous thing called... The parade bird. <laughs> yeah. Or the photo bird. Uh-huh. Which is basically, it looks like Big Bird, but it's not Big Bird it's kids. So now. No, no. It's something from like a robotic nightmare. It's a football helmet <sighs> and then a tower going up through the neck to the head where you can just position the head up or down or left or right and just open the mouth and keep it open. Uh. <laughs> and then wait, it's just like it's the worst. <laughs> and not very comfortable, out, I can't imagine. No, it's be. not. It's it's horrible. It's just Oof. horrible. I remember when we were doing the, the finale for the Muppet Steak Manhattan, and I was supposed to be Big Bird, and I get to the set, and it's like, they've got the parade bird. I was like, oh. why is this here? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's the wrong bird. Why is this here? And it's like, it was too late. So I, to, so I just had to like, so basically I just like, I reached up. And just like I loosened the helmet so I could actually pivot his head around. Oh so the helmet's just like sliding across <laughs> my face as I'm looking at the camera and just uh, like, and then pulling the cord to lip sync. It was just like, so somehow I made it work. Cause it, like, it's cause like, okay, it's not about me. It's about the frog and the pig up front. So right. just, <laughs> so if you look at Muppets Take Manhattan, uh, you'll see it. That's the parade bird that you're inside making yes, work. That's the parade bot. Oh my yes, gosh. That's the monstrosity. Never so noticed then, it. Oh yeah. That's, and that's then how Carol, good you were. one year, like years later, he did, he was in Australia and he did this parade. And of course he didn't have the parade bird. He was using big bird. It was going to be this parade. And he was concerned about his arm up that yeah. long. So he came up with this thing of like having a pole, like a candy cane. It was a Christmas parade. Right. Having a pole, holding the candy cane, big bird would kind of like rest his head on top of the candy cane. That's pretty smart. And so I was just like, that's what gave me the idea of like, hmm, wait a minute. <laughs> we took that technology inside the bird. The bird. <laughs> and so, yeah, so I asked the shop that year doing a parade. It's like, can you make this? Yeah. <laughs> this pole that goes up, so that keeps it going until you get to Macy's. Then you pull the pole down. So pull you can the be pole. Like performance ready. Depending upon where the float is, you can either be up for an hour yeah. Or almost two hours. <laughs> yes. And in recent years, we've been closer to the front. It's still a long time. We're used to just kind oh, of yeah. being up for a you know, couple pages, coming out, resting, yeah. going back in. Yeah. Right after we did Follow That Bird, that thanks, it came out in 85. So uh, Thanksgiving of 1985, instead of the float, they had the two cars from the movie. They had the sloppy jalopy, and they had the uh, countmobile. Which was an awesome car, and had like drivers hidden underneath so they could actually drive. And then people were puppeteering, like someone puppeteered the count. And I was Big Bird, and Sonia was sitting next to me, and so had my my arm up and all. And this was before the the whole stick thing, so I had my arm up and all. And then I said to Sonia, "It's like, it's like Sonia, can you just hold my 
hands if you're holding Big Bird's hand, and she did. And I slipped my arm out yeah, yeah. and just like held my other oh. arm just to give it a break. Yeah, I can feel that. I know exactly that pain. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, okay, I'm good. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> Put it back in again. Yeah. Yeah. Nowadays, you know, we'll have Michelle come out and uh, she'll say, uh, Big Bird, do you need a hug? Like, yes. yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> Just like yeah. lean. Like, so the like big bird is <laughs> leaning across a woman going down the street, just resting. It's like, please hug me. Yeah. I, I can't or, go or, back or, up. Or, or just the tie. It's just like, yeah. I mean, adjust your tie. Please adjust my tie. Oh, yeah. Yes, thank you. And take like, your time. Reach up, hold the week. It's just like, take your time, adjust the tie. Yeah. I remember then I also I applied it for uh, like later on with um, when Bear was doing a, a parade appearance in Chicago. And there was like on the float, there was like this candy cane. It was just like, hmm. Uh. <laughs> it's like, Bear's going to stand right here. So this is way I <laughs> lean his head on the candy cane. And it like, just looks cute. <laughs> it looks cute. It's like, oh, look at that. He's like a candy look cane. Look at that. Exactly. You don't think of the little things, the, the man dying inside. No. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's all magic, kids. We're going to take a few minutes away from Noel McNeil. Uh, to- Come in, Jack. Hey, Dad, you know what you don't do enough of? Uh, let me guess. Fake ads? No, you do plenty of those. Oh. You're lousy with fake ads. Ah. But what you don't do enough is, is those bits when puppeteers talk about how they got hurt doing puppet stuff. Ah, you mean injury corner. I don't know what it's called, but I like what it is. Okay, here you go. On today's installment of Injury Corner, Ryan Dillon tells us about the time he was injured. So I think I have the beginning of a torn meniscus in my left knee. I can't puppeteer inside boxes or anything that's too constricting to my knees. Uh, I can't squat without severe pain. Uh, I have carpal tunnel in both hands. And that reappears uh, biannually. I have to wear a brace at night for those. Oh, and um, what's the other thing that's wrong with me? <laughs> uh, oh, rotator cuff. Ow. My rotator cuff got stuck up in the air once. My arm got stuck up in the air. And I couldn't bring it down. Ow. My hands don't work particularly well anymore. Um... Sometimes when I sleep on the wrong side, my neck hurts. Oh, is this just puppet stuff? Okay. Now back to the show. Uh, just want to kind of round out Sesame Street just a little bit here. So you did other roles on Sesame Street. You were you played Mrs. Snuffleupagus for a long time. I played every Snuffleupagus relative. All, all you of them, of right? For a while. All the relatives. What yeah. what is that like being inside that? Big puppet. It's, I've never been inside. It's amazing what Marty does with that character, with the eyes and the and the eyelids oh and the mouth at the same time is nothing short of miraculous. It's like unbelievable. So I would like watch Marty. Like I, I watched anyway because it was just beautiful. And then just like inside, figuring out like, how does he do this? And he kind of told me <laughs> it's like you could do this and this to kind of finesse it. It's like <sighs> okay, so um, <laughs> all right. Yeah, but it's it's different. It's not like being in bird where the monitor's on your chest. It's over on the side. So you have to look to your left mm-hmm. to see the monitor. And you really have no vision other than opening the mouth and just like seeing part of the floor 
in front of you. So you're really at the mercy of whoever's leading Snuffy by the Snuffle into place. And so I've been in the, the front for those times being um, with the relatives and just like, you have to like pump, like pump the mouth to really make it, yeah. sell it, He's talking sometimes kind of like grind it so you can like see he's, he's doing it. But it's still like the same principles, like, you know, lip sync and like mm-hmm. focus. It's just applied to something very big. It's It gets warm, which is why, you know, they get the little stools, you sit down, and then they have like the fans. <laughs> yeah, because it's not like with Big Bird where you can literally pop out. You're kind of right. stuck in there until... You're stuck in there. Yeah, until, until, put them away. until you get it. And if there's like a bit in a row, if they're short, then it's just like, you guys okay to stay in? It's like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... Let's do that, yes. But he's a beautiful oh, puppet. It's gorgeous. Right. It's And you're right, Marty, he is so good with right. Snuffy. It's just second nature to him. Yeah, it's effortless. And the things he did, I, I was there the day that him and Bryant, who was his backup man, literally, they were, uh, there was this bit where Snuffy's on a trampoline. It's like, <laughs> how are they going to do this? It's like, and they did. It was amazing to watch them out. Because first Big Bird's on the trampoline and bouncing yeah. up and down. And then once we're done, uh, I go over to take the bird off. And because of the static electricity, Carol's hair is like completely puffed out (laughs) and raised up. (laughs) Yeah. And then it's like Marty and Brian like practice out of costume first, jumping up and down. It's like, oh my God, this is like, it was scary as heck. Yeah. (laughs) If anything were to happen. But it worked. It was amazing. Yeah. Because you could hurt a puppeteer. You could hurt the puppet. You could, (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of things that could go wrong. Oh, yeah. Anyone standing nearby. Yeah. <laughs> you could just hurt so many people. Yeah. Well, is was. that a backpack? Is that how, is that how it it's holds on you? It's a backpack. You, you? Get in, you get in from the center, and you put your feet into these, like, your socks get into these, like, clogs. Uh-huh. And then you put the backpack on. And then once the front and back are all harnessed in, that's when they unclip the front and unclip the back so that then Snuffy's free. Because back in... Um, Unitel, the only way to store him would be to clip him and then raise him up to the ceiling. Yeah. Where he would just kind of hang. And, and Marty always made a point of closing Snuffy's eyes. Oh, really? Make it look like he was sleeping. Oh, that's nice. So rather than have him just like hanging <laughs> up there. Hanging, staring, yeah. staring into nothing, So I remember motionless. one time a kid came to visit, because kids always come, and looked up and saw Snuffy and asked me, it's like, why is, why is Snuffy up there? And I thought fast and I thought, he's taking a nap. And when Snuffleupagus's dream, they float. Oh, that's good. Which is why we have a really strong ceiling. <laughs> that's why they live in caves. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right up at the top. They would just float away. They're fine. You did do some other shows, but kind of before you did Sesame Street, you did Great Space Coaster. For that one summer, I did it at the same time because it was the summer of 83. And I was cast as the character Knock Knock, mm-hmm. the little pink uh, bird. And because John Lovelady, the original puppeteer, left to go do the primetime NBC series, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington what? about the talking orangutan. Wait, what? Elected to Congress. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Really? Which at the time sounded ridiculous. It, Nowadays, it would be a blessing. <laughs> but yes, <clears throat> he went to do that. Okay. <laughs> it's on YouTube somewhere. <laughs> so I got cast to be, uh, to be Knock Knock, mm-hmm. and it was taping during the summer. That same summer, that same time, we were shooting the special Don't Eat the Pictures, where Sesame Street gets locked in the Metropolitan Museum of Art overnight. Okay. So I'm like, depending on my schedule, I would be like at Space Coaster or I'd be at Sesame. 
at the museum. And one night, it was like a late call because in order to shoot it at night, you know, it has to be night. Mm -hmm. And this was the scene where everybody's like waking up in the morning. So it has to be kind of like that kind of pre-dawnish kind of look to it. And I'm looking at the time because like I'm actually due at Space Coast at nine o'clock and I'm looking like, okay, (laughs) like can we can we wrap this up? (laughs) And we literally wrapped at like 8:30 a.m. like all done, put the puppets away and like ran down the stairs, hailed a cab, took me straight down Fifth Avenue the Ed Sullivan Theater where Space Coast was shot and got there in time to do. So pretty much I had zero sleep. <laughs> yeah, so you went from one job at night all the way into the other job and all the way through the, the day. Oh. Yeah, and then just passed out when I finally got home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how, was, uh, how was Great Space Coast? Or how did you find that experience? Um, it, was, it was from Kermit, because Kermit's shop had made the, uh, the puppets. His, the, the guys that worked for Kermit, Jim Krupa, Matt Stoddard, John Orberg, and um, also Bob Marty, they created the characters for Space Coaster. So when John left, um, Kermit recommended that I audition for it, and I did, and I got it. And Space Coaster was, was great because I got to meet so many people. Two puppeteers I met were Jim Martin, who did the now classic character, Gary Gnu. Oh, yeah. And this young puppeteer doing a gorilla named Kevin Clash. And it was also great shooting it on the Ed Sullivan Theater because said so before um, Letterman came in, it was just like this place where you could just like throw up a set and like shoot something on stage. Wow. And so it was it was this great kind of like theater. That's that pretty amazing. Know, know that, you know, the Beatles were here and yeah. Elvis Presley was here. Jim Henson yeah. was here with all his stuff. And it's like so now cool. I'm here, you know, in a tree with a pink bird on me. <laughs> Telling knock knock jokes. <laughs> Telling knock knock jokes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I and and even with Sesame, because I've always been associated off and on with Sesame over the years. So I've like done Sesame, but then I've also done other things as well. So it was like there were other shows that that came along. and But then it was like, with Sesame, it's like, oh, can you come in and do this? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you've been involved with Sesame Street for, I don't know, 122 years. Pretty much. Something Pretty like much, that. Yes. I, don't, yes. I can't do the when numbers. Joan Cance was just six years old. She, <laughs> she had this idea. She That's ran right. By me, I was like, "Sure, kid. Yeah, yeah, whatever." <laughs> uh, in uh, 1989, somewhere around there, you did Eureka's Castle. Yes, and that has like a, a really great cast of puppeteers: Pam Marciero, Cheryl Blaylock. Yes, yes, yeah, Jim Jim Krupa, Brian Meal, John Cheryl Kennedy, Blaylock, Lynn Hippen. It was yeah, like Lynn Hippen. Rob Gardner yeah, was, like, was yes, there. Yes, Rob did. And the head writer, his credits, his screen credit was Jovial Bob Stein. But <laughs> you might know him as R.L. Stein. Oh, really? Yes. That same guy. <laughs> wow. Jeez, I didn't know yes. that. But before he became Goosebumps yeah. famous, he was writing for this puppet show and realized very early on that puppeteers like to rewrite. <laughs> Yeah, you kind of. Yeah. I think when you're a writer, you got to understand that you know, especially with puppet folk. Yeah, so it's like don't hang on to this as being don't, precious. Yeah, <laughs> like, don't fall too again, in love. We with learned these. early on with the with, with Eureka. It's like a lot of times we really couldn't explain a joke. We would have to show it to them, so we would like read the script and read through, and we would like make a note, or we would kind of like look at each other and just give that knowing look of like, don't say it. <laughs> and then when we got on set. 
we would just do it. <laughs> and were you successful yes, when you was, would do that? It was, yes, it was always successful. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to like try to explain it and have you video it. No, we're just right. going to do just it on set it. <laughs> while cameras are rolling. In fact, we wouldn't even do it doing rehearsal. We wait until we had the puppets on and uh, then just did it right then and there. Yes. Oh my gosh, awesome! You you played Magellan, who's this beautiful dragon. Like it's not full body, is it? No, you never saw Magellan's feet. I always wish you could, but you only saw like from the waist up. So he had this big shirt that I wore and then his head and neck were separate so they could just tuck it in. So I would put my arm up and they would just tuck in his head and neck into uh-huh. the shirt. And I put my left hand into his left hand. But the right hand would always have like, I would always have somebody doing my right hand. And then his tail was like a wild tail. So somebody would do the tail. So oh, then cool. you would have like the three of us like doing this sort of dragon like effect. That's and, so cool. Um, the little mon- but same thing with Big Birds, like a little monitor to my chest, the microphone, and yeah. And it was just like having watched Carol all those years. It's like, okay, now I can do this. Yeah, now you can do it. And how did you get the job? <laughs> that I didn't have to audition for because three design studios, Jim, uh, John, and Matt left Kermit because Kermit was um, starting to shut down his studio. Mm. And so they wanted to start their own company. So they started three design studio. And we were doing the movie the summer of uh, 1988. We were doing this movie in Wilmington, North Carolina called Little Monsters with Howie Mandel and a very young Fred Savage. <laughs> yeah. And the guys created the effects for it. And then they got this email, this message saying that um, this pilot got approved for this new Nickelodeon show. And they wanted to do the, wanted them to do the puppets for it because the guys also had uh, put in a bid for it. Yeah, And so the pilot was going to shoot like that fall in New York. And so asked me and Pam, because Pam also worked on the movies, like, would you want to be a part of the show? I was like, sure. And because of my work as Big Bird, they asked, Noel, would you want to try doing this dragon? So I was like, sure. So, yeah. I mean, And so we did this little test, like this little seven, eight minute test with Eureka, Magellan, and Batley who was Jim's character, who was modeled after a Nickelodeon executive named Jeff Darby, because Jeff had like a crew cut and had these glasses. And so they got the exact same kind of frames. And so <laughs> Batley was modeled after this guy. Did he know it? Yes, he did. Okay. Did he like he was it? Very was he approved? Okay, he was approved. Okay. He was very flattered. Just like, okay, Good. make sure. So we keep this job, guys. Does the guy like this? So, yeah, <laughs> he, he did. Smart. And, and we did uh, one season in New York, here in um, 1989, here in New York. Then the second season, half of it was in New York, and then the other half was shot at the brand new Nickelodeon Studios in Orlando, Florida. Ah. Back when the whole, let's open up movie studios in Florida and see we <laughs> can make an actual industry out of this. <laughs> right. No, you can't. <laughs> it didn't work. It didn't work. No. no what? It. So it half of work. the season, though, you filmed half, and then everything moved? Yeah. And then, yeah, we, we shot, like, April, May, uh, into June, and then it just, that, that was it for first half. That's so and weird. then the second half of the season was shot in Orlando. So we went down with like September, October. Because we did the rest of the season, plus we did uh, three specials. We did the Christmas special, a uh, Halloween kind of special, mm-hmm. and then a special with guest star Luther Vandross, who played the Grand High Wizard. <laughs> really <laughs> nice guy. You know, it's, it's, it's funny, though, that 
with the new Paramount Plus, people have been saying like, no, it's like Eureka's Castle's on Paramount Plus. And I said, I was like, oh, check again. It's it not. Like, no. What happened was they put it up on their list. So I was just scrolling by, you could see it. And you click on it, it says now streaming, but there are no episodes. <laughs> and then a couple of days later, it just disappeared. Oh. Well, maybe it'll come back. And the reason why, <laughs> well, the reason why is because for years we kept trying to chase down like residuals because yeah. we would just air the show off and on. So it's like we're trying to chase down residuals. So finally we went to, to the union, to AFTRA, and we worked out a contract, a deal, saying you can play the series and all three specials during the year as many times as you want. You could run it 24 hours a day. You just have to pay each of us this specific amount of money, and yeah. then you can do whatever you want. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's... They have never aired it again. <laughs> they signed it and never aired it. So uh, there are a bunch of other things that you've done. I mean, Noel, you've, you've pretty much done every television <laughs> and and uh, This is movie. getting back to he's old, guys. He's really old. <laughs> no, no, he's no, not at all. all. You're very <laughs> experienced. You're experienced. That's what I would say. <laughs> You're mature. You're experienced. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you, were, you did uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, right? Mm-hmm. The face. Now, why were you the face... Of Raphael, but you weren't inside the suit. First of all, thank God. I saw Howard said, I was like, so glad I'm not inside that thing. Yeah. Uh, but I got to be the animatronic puppeteer. I tell people it takes about five people to be a turtle because there's the animatronic puppeteer, there's the actor inside, there's the martial artist fighter, there's the stunt double, and then once all the principal photography is done, there's the guy in Hollywood sitting in a chair <laughs> dubbing his voice over mine. <laughs> so that's easy five job. people for one character. Yeah. And I lucked out because my actor was Matt Hill, who's a great voice actor. He's done a lot of stuff for uh, cartoons. And he was great. I was like, I love, like, I have the best luck with guys named Matt. I just like, you know, it's, yeah, it's just yeah, like, yeah. and he was, he was he's, he's great. And we still keep in touch. <laughs> and the other puppeteers were Gordon Robinson, Rick Lyon, and mm-hmm. Jim Martin. Oh. And <laughs> with our, we would be in this room because you had to program like certain facial things for the, um, the head. Kind of this glorified oven mitt that you put your hand in. Is it like the Waldo? Is that what it is? Yeah, the- it's like, it's exactly like Waldo. Uh-huh. And you like put your hand inside and then like a little keyboard. And then you could just like, once you like decide this move, you kind of like feed the information to the computer so that when you do this, then it knows exactly what to do with the face. <sighs> and so, yeah, it's crazy. It's and it, confusing. It was funny how <laughs> lined up, it's like, Rick had like, he was Donatello, had like probably the best of both. It was like two heads, had the best of both heads. Gordon had a good head. My head was good. Jim Martin's heads, <laughs> the prime head was always breaking. Something was always wrong. And so we'd always have to do the backup here, which is never that great. Right. So they came in proudly into the rehearsal area and they said, okay, we fixed it. And he, they put it down across from Jim's station. And they said to Jim, turn it off. <laughs> and Jim, like, on his station, flicked the switch, which sends the signal to the head, you know. He flicked the switch. The head literally shook. Oh. <laughs> Every orifice just opened up. The mouth, the teeth, the eyes. Oh. And a bolt shot out from the back of its mouth. Oh, my And God. hit Jim's station. And the two guys just very quietly <laughs> hit the head <laughs> and just walked out of the room. Yep. Uh, Me, Rick, and Gordy are like crying with laughter. <laughs> <laughs> and I can just picture Jim kind of just like, well, 
Yeah, there you go. <laughs> what are you gonna, like, of course. What are you going to do? <laughs> of course. Like the cursed head. Yeah. Of course it is. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, I'm going to jump chronologically. You did Ubi. Mm-hmm. And which is kind of those are I think that was a fun show. I did a couple of episodes of that, but it's interesting to do. Yeah, it was Angus, the weird eyes right. underneath. I know you had the eyes on because Ubi was the show where the puppets were our hands. Yeah. And with some glass taxidermy eyes. It's like that was the puppet. Yeah. So the eyes were always been on top. Matt's character, Angus, <laughs> his eyes were on the bottom. I don't know why. I'm not sure why. I don't remember why. Saying, was he from another we, we came town? Up you were from Canada. So. Oh, that's what that's what it was. Yeah. He's from Canada. He's from Canada. <laughs> He's from Nova Scotia. Eh? So they that's just right. Have their eyes uh, on the inside of their mouths. Yeah, it's, it's uh, was very weird. That wasn't my choice. I don't think that was my choice. That was that was written that way. They were like, just put the eyes under underneath. We've seen it on top. Put it. Do something different. <laughs> do something different. Yeah. I don't like, know. Ubi's on Paramount Plus, so you can like oh, introduce can your wa- kids. I can to, watch like, Angus. <laughs> there we go. Oh, well. <laughs> and the other show we worked on, Matt, Blue's Room, yes, is on Paramount Plus. Oh, really? But yeah, we did. We did that. We did that together. We did a a, a day on um, the Robin Williams, John Travolta film, oh, Old God, Dogs. Yes, Old Dogs, <laughs> where we're two like a back to back. Two-headed horse thing? I don't know what it was. Like, it was like a push-me-pull-you kind yes. of character for this weird kind of stage show moment. Yeah, Bernie Mac like, was yeah. the character that he had this uh, circus-type show or something. I don't, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it was kind of like some weird kind of like He was like Superfly meets the Wiggles kind of like vibe to him. <laughs> yeah, and- <laughs> it was very weird. And, yeah, you know, the movie, not many people remember or probably have no. seen. <laughs> it's not. I don't even know if I've seen it. I don't know that I, I, I may have seen it. It was on cable, and I fast-forwarded to our spot. It was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> that was <laughs> a day like, of our lives. Well, for like two seconds. Yeah, that was a day. there for a day. Just like, <laughs> like two yeah. seconds. Okay. There. And then we also did uh, Oz from... That, which was a prison drama. All right on HBO. Oh, I forgot that. Yes, <laughs> and we were we were together as part of this uh, like a show within the show, right? Called Miss Sally's Schoolyard, right? And there were these two primitive hand puppets, uh, and I had to go and look what it, what the names were. It was Neuter and Pecky. <laughs> yes. And the thing about oh them God. is that that was a day too, right? And and it yeah. was just these little scenarios. And there was an actress there that played Miss Sally. Which yes, is why the prisoners would watch the show? Yes, they watched <laughs> the Sally. show for Miss Sally. We, it was a weird day. It was. We did, yeah, we did like like six or eight of them in like a yep. day. That's so right. Like, that was it. Like done. It was like okay. Oh my gosh. And then seeing the. Uh, an episode, it was like, oh my God, there we are. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this is so weird. Yeah, and I still get weird residual checks, like a four cent residual check yes. <laughs> for episodes. And I'm like, oh, the, the, what is this? Oh, Oz, like, right. Oz, all right. right. I totally forgot about Oz. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's all insane. on HBO Max now. It's so all it's there. So those go, go dig that up. I, I can't leave your talking about other things that you've done without mentioning the puzzle place. Yeah. And that was around 1995. It came out in 95. We spent the summer of 94, like six months in Los Angeles, because it was a joint venture between KCET, Los Angeles, and Lancet Media, who produced Reading Rainbow. Mm-hmm. And they originally had um, pitched the puzzle place back in something like 91 or so, 92. And it's like nobody was interested. 
because like who's going to be interested in the show about kids and tolerance and right. diversity? Right. Who right. was like that'll what? never what? Like, come on. It'll never and work. Then in 92 was the Rodney King riots mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. And that's when KCT contacted them and said, We want to co-produce this show. You just have to do it here. But this show is needed. And yeah. that's how Puzzle Place got done because of what had happened. And it was great. It was like me, Jim Martin, Peter Lintz, Alice Deneen, um, Carmen, Osbar. Uh-huh. And for season one, it was Alice and Mork. And then season two was Stephanie DeBruzzo. Yeah. And we had these incredibly multi-diverse characters yes. <laughs> representing. Yeah. But what, what if you had to do like the elevator pitch for that show, what would you kind of say it was about? <laughs> Trying not to be too snarky. Um, it's like a clubhouse that welcomes six friends of diverse and cultural enriching lifestyles. Yeah. For fun and games. Yeah, and hijinks. I mean, it's really, it's actually very yeah. relevant today. Yeah, people ask me, like, is the Puzzle Place ever be, will be on again? I said, I don't know. I mean, they could literally just air it now. You really it could. It would still hold up. It was, yeah. it, was, it was that solid a show. It was great. I, I ended up writing for it from season two on. Jim actually ended up directing yeah. from, from that point on. And uh, for one of the episodes I wrote, it was just called Dressing up is hard to do, and I co-wrote a song for it. All the characters—they wow. tried to put on a grown-up party and dress like grown-ups and act like grown-ups, except for uh, Jody, who finds this bunny sweater and a pillbox hat that has bunny ears. And Julie just like takes offense and says, "You look like a baby," which apparently for kids that's like a height of insult. Like, yeah, whoa, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so. Then it's about just respecting each other. Just like it's not my choice, it's yours. Yeah. I may not like it, but that's your choice. And we have and it's the song at the end I co-wrote is called It's You. And the the last part is like um between all the characters, except mine has like the one line. So at the end it goes like it's my it's you know, like the characters go, it's your style. It's your flair. And if you don't like it, and they cut to my character on the piano with a drink in his hand saying, I don't care. <laughs> perfect. Yes. That's really perfect. Yes. And it's so relevant today. Oh my gosh. You can see episodes of it on YouTube, which yeah, it's such I, a I great show. Up, yeah. I actually put up one. I wrote, it was like the one with uh, Ben and Leon trying to be Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson trying to solve a mystery. Oh, that's so cool. And um, Leon just becomes such a, Jerk and just like is so <laughs> annoyed that Ben keeps finding the clues first, and so he fires Ben. Oh, and then he can't solve the mystery until so he decides to call an expert on mysteries and crime solving. So they had this thing called the Weebus, which is like pre Zoom, like mm-hmm. back in 1984. We yep. had no idea, we were fortunate. Right. Oh my this. gosh, I forgot about that thing the Weebus, this big green thing. And he goes over and he, and I wrote the episodes. So I I uh, had Leon say, Weebus, please call the chief of the Acme Detective Agency. And at that time, there was the show, the game show, Where in the World's Common San Diego. And the chief was played by actress Lynn Thigpen. <laughs> so we shot our stuff first. And then when they were in production for um, Carmen San Diego, that was shot, that was uh, directed by Hugh Martin, who directed Lucas oh, yeah. Castle and other stuff. And so he directed Lynn. So in a way, that's the first time Lynn and I had characters of ours talking to each other before Bear came yeah. along with Luna. 
And yeah. uh, oh, that's it was cool. great. So, and, and I reminded her of that. And she was like, that's right. I remember doing that. Uh, that's really cool. Well, I, I don't want to talk about your most, probably your most famous character yet. <laughs> Drunk Uncle Noel, yes, that's a, that's a legendary. <laughs> right, we'll get to Drunk Uncle Noel in, in a minute. Uh, I, I do want to say that you're also right now the resident puppeteer for last week with John Oliver, which, oh yeah. my gosh. First of all, I love that show. Second yeah. of all, you play a host of crazy characters on that show, like um, Mr. Nutter Butter. Uh, what's, what's it like working with John? I mean, I've worked with him a couple times, and he's always amazing. What, what's your experience been like? He's He's great. He's like... Seriously, like one of the nicest guys. He's so easygoing. He's so funny. Yeah. And, and, and smart from like his show. But he really has an appreciation for the absurd, yep. especially in reporting on things that are so like non funny, but yet yep. can somehow find the humor in order to get you to understand what's, what, what's going on. Yeah. And my goal whenever I do these mascots is if I can make him laugh during. Dress rehearsal. That's the goal. It's like how how can I make him laugh? Yeah. And the height of it was when I was Mr. Nutterbutter, the giant squirrel, and I came out because because the thing is, John never sees any of these things until he's actually like on set. <laughs> so really? actually having come out, and I just did, and the way it was built by Bob Flanagan. I'm inside this suit. I've got my left arm in his left arm. The right arm's pinned, so I can like just like put my right arm up to the head and just do the mouth. So I'm able to actually like control the head. So I'm do these little quick jerks with the head, like a squirrel. Yeah. And John lost it. Like he couldn't actually talk. And I, I was like, yes, did it. <laughs> did it. Mission accomplished. And he, yeah. he actually did an interview for Vulture magazine. And he mentioned me. I was yeah. like shocked because I was talking that. about the mascots. Yeah. Mentioned Bob Lang, and he mentioned me, and he says like like he mentioned the little head jerks of Mister Nutterbutter and how it gives him like this little glow inside. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my god. Yeah. He, he's That's a big awesome. big fan of puppets. Big fan of the Muppets, Sesame Street. He's yeah. And he actually in the article he actually made a point of saying how no one appreciates what we do. Like no one appreciates the fact that this is a skill that has to be learned and has yeah. to be practiced. You just can't just throw it on your arm and just like just like do something. Like these are actual people, professionals who know it. So yeah. nice shout out nice. from John Oliver. Really nice. <laughs> More with Noel McNeil in a minute, but first, we're gonna ask a puppeteer about not puppets. Ask a puppeteer about not puppets. On today's episode of Ask a Puppeteer About Not Puppets, we're talking with Sesame Street Muppet performer Jen Barnhart. Jennifer Barnhart, what's your favorite kind of cocktail? Oh, gin martini. Uh, Bone dry, Uh shaken up with a twist. With a twist. All right. You don't like Mm -hmm. uh, olives? No olives. That's for for vodka martinis. And vodka martinis are fine. They're they're lovely. Uh, But no, I, I only like my dirty martinis in vodka form. For me, it would be, oh gosh, let's say Plymouth Gin. Uh, yeah, Plymouth Gin, bone dry, little bit of noily pra vermouth, uh, shaken with three or four ice cubes uh, with a lemon twist. Oh, sounds good. Served up in an already frosted stainless steel martini glass. Stainless steel martini glass. Because because first of all you can't break it, and second of all it yeah. holds the cold. <laughs> <laughs> Ask the puppeteer 
Moments. We're back with Noel McNeil. Uh, Noel, you've also done a lot of Muppet Project over the years, including uh, Dog City and City Kids and the Muppet Meeting films and Letters to Santa. And you also... Much Muppet. I know, a lot of Muppet stuff and <laughs> things I didn't even mention. And then you were also part of, most recently, the Muppets Take the Bowl and the O2 shows. Uh, you got yeah. to be a bunch of different stuff. And then also you were Sweetums throughout that show. What, what, what was your experience like to do that show? It was amazing. I, I swear to God, like, why we still haven't done more? <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know, I know, I know. I mean, COVID <laughs> pandemic aside, it kind of yeah. Like, why haven't we done more? Like, I know here in New York, like, it was such. It was, I, it was literally like the Muppet Show. It was the Muppet Show live because yeah. that's what people wanted to see, and it came at that time within the last four years where people really just wanted something. Positive, yeah, pleasant, and nostalgic, yep. and to feel good, and it was great. And then, and, and so doing it at the Hollywood Bowl was just amazing because I'd never been to the Hollywood Bowl, and actually being on that stage was incredible. And then being invited to go to the O2, yeah, and having all of us the same cast. I know. I'm so glad like we got to do that. And extra puppeteers, and we got to go, and that was such a great experience. And then afterwards, how we all like. Left for the four corners of Europe. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, everybody just went out and did whatever they wanted like, to do. Yeah, okay, that's great. And it's like everybody scattered. But it was it was amazing. And just seeing how I mean, we sold out like the matinee of the O2 yeah. that Saturday. And it's huge. It's yeah. like selling out Madison Square Garden. It's massive. And the stars were great too. The stars were good sports. Oh my gosh, they and were like, great. And it's always fun to work so, with Bobby Moynihan. He's uh, amazing. He's Bobby's just, really he's really funny. It was like it was. It didn't matter that they really didn't know who he was in London because he was still funny. I know, and he was. <laughs> he's he's like, so so self deprecating about it. He's like, nobody knows who I am. It's it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They don't have Saturday Night Live over here. It's fine. Yeah, it, that sure. was great experience. And you're right. I wish we could do more of those. That would be so much. Fun. Oh yeah, it was it was it was amazing. Just like carrying on the whole legacy of like what what Jim and those guys started. Yeah. And it was just being those characters. I mean, for you, like especially Matt. I mean. You know, you have this little side character that you're doing for. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it's just a little little thing. <laughs> it's a little thing, but yeah, it's just like yeah, yeah it's, it's no pressure. Yeah, and but it's just it was just amazing just to be a part of that and like having people who remember like the original and like inspiring. That's the that's the that's the things like I've just been noticing lately. Just like how much maybe it's, maybe it's because of the last four years or maybe it's because of just. <laughs> Getting through last year, yeah. it's like so many more people need inspiration and just to be positive and just something to remind them that life can be good. And yeah. this was part of my childhood. And thank yeah. you for like helping me really go on. I've had a couple of requests like that with doing little bear things. It's yeah. just like I mean, it is amazing. Like, it yeah. is, and the, and the enormity of just like what we do because we have fun. That's the thing. We, yeah, we have fun with what we do, but then seeing the effect that it can have on people is very like an honor and humbling. Yeah, and it, and because we work in a studio, I mean, we're making the camera guys laugh or or everybody else laugh, but it's sometimes hard to realize that it does go out beyond, and you really are affecting people in a very real and deep way. You know, really, yeah. really, like people have come up to me, and and I've seen it with other 
Muppet performers as well, and they're they're really like choked up. They're trying to try to say something to us, and that that's when it hits me, and I think, oh my gosh, this is really a big. It's a big thing, and it. I don't take that responsibility lightly. You know, no, it's like it. It, it just makes it all the more important because you like you know you're enjoying it, but the yeah. fact that these other people really enjoy it on a whole different level mm-hmm. just makes it all the more rewarding because. Yeah. Let's face it, we would not last in an office, Matt. We could not. <laughs> I've tried. No. It doesn't didn't, didn't take. It just doesn't. It's like, no. No. No, no, no. No, no. But to see those people sitting out in the audience, that's that also was a real big validation to me that, that the Muppets, they have a really vibrant future ahead of them. We just have to figure out that thing. You know? Yeah, it was like when we were at the O2 and like for Rainbow Connection and singing along, but like kind of being able to like also peek through Sweetum's mouth. Yeah. And <laughs> just like seeing like people who just like held up their smartphones to like with like the like lights on, like or like, you know, a flashlight app yeah. or just like holding out. And I've seen footage of just like thousands, these like I thousands know. of unbelievable. lights. And it's just like, and it's just like, you would have to have a heart of ice if you didn't well up just a little bit. <laughs> it's true. At this moment, it's pretty amazing. All these people coming together for something so enormously positive. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's it was true. great. It it's was true. wonderful. And yes, we should do more. I, I wholeheartedly. <laughs> uh, okay, now we're going to talk about a little character called Bear. Oh, him. Yes. Yeah. Everybody knows. Everybody knows you played Bear on the Bear in the Big Blue House, which started uh, around 96, 97. It, it, I auditioned and we started in 97, March. Actually, March of 1997 was when I auditioned for it. How did you get that audition? Um, I actually got called, it was a Friday, and I got called to audition for this one show, it's like a game show, because they just um, made a deal with Mitchell Quigan, the guy who yep. created Calista Explains It All. So this was like bringing flesh blood and like, you know, and so they were developing like shows. And so one show was like a game show where it was like kind of like an alien character yes, was like the host. That's right. And kids would go through their paces. And it was kind of like this weird kind of like, kind of like almost like Audrey 2 from like Little Shop mm-hmm. of Horrors. And I'm sitting in there literally in this thing thinking, why don't you just call Monty Robinson and have him do it? Because she literally <laughs> this thing. invented this. It's yeah. like, why? So I was like, I did it. It was fine. And then I went home. And I, because um, I lived on the Upper East Side then, and Muppets was on like 67th Street. I lived on 96. So time goes by. And then I get a call that afternoon, like around four o'clock. It's like, no, can you come back? There's like one more character we want you to audition for. And I was like, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> um, they, they sent me the sides. They actually, kids, they faxed me the sides. That's how far <laughs> back we're going here. Yeah. And they faxed me like a piece of the script and the sketch of like, this bear and these little critters and like the moon smiling behind him. It's like, okay, this looks cute. So yeah. I get in the cab and I'm reading the sides and I get out and I go to the studio and I walk in and the executive at that time, Peter Van Roden, like came up to me and said, use your voice, use your own voice. And I was like, what? <laughs> We're the Muppets. We don't do yeah, that. that seems like, no, weird. No, no, just you try using your own voice. I was like, Okay, so I got into like the prototype, which was basically if Bear didn't have any fur, if he was just like <laughs> skinned, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was like this hoop, the netting, and all that, and this foam head, 
And I got inside. It was just like, oh, this feels really nice. This is really cool. And then I thought, wait a second. No, it's quarter to five on a Friday. They've picked out who they wanted. They just want to cover their bases. You're not going to get this. So I said, oh, screw it. I'm just going to have fun. And so that's when I was literally like running around and it was like jumping up and down. And at one point it said, you know, he sniffs, you know, the, the viewer. And then I thought, fine. And I just jammed the nose all the way into the lens and pulled it out again. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and just, and he's, I would try and slip into a character voice. Like, no, 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 no. Keep doing your own voice. <laughs> I was like, okay. okay. All right. <laughs> and my, it was not really my voice. It was like, before I became a dad, I would, I would call him my Uncle Noel mode. So it was like just slightly higher and just a little warmer and just yeah, heightened like, a little sure, bit. What, yeah, just what do you want to do? And so, and I just left. I said, thank you. And I left. Never gave it any more of a thought. I was like, that's it. It was like, I had fun. And then that Monday, that's when I got the phone call just before six o'clock from Henson saying, hey, we want you to be there. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> I was like, seriously? Yeah. And this, in between that Friday and that Monday, that weekend, I was going to see a friend who was in an acapella group. He was in an acapella competition at Symphony Space on the Upper West Side. And so I was meeting some mutual friends before we went over at this Thai restaurant. So... I went to the bathroom. One of, and our mutual friend was Mike. And so Mike, who knows everybody, by the time this podcast is over, you'll somehow know Mike. I feel like he, I, I know Mike, right? Yes. I do, yeah. <laughs> Mike, yeah, you know Mike. I think you actually have met Mike. Yeah, yeah. What's his last name? <laughs> yeah, Piak. Yeah, Piak. Yeah, I know him. Yes, exactly. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> I know him from, yeah, from you. I know him from you, but yes, I do know him. Yes, you do know Mike. So yeah, yeah. he invited this girl he knew from college. They were just friends. But her name was Susan. And so she sat down and just like looked around and realized she's Mike's the only person she knows. And then I come back from the bathroom and we look at each other because it's like some, suddenly there's somebody new. And I'm like, oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> and she looks at me and Mike says, like, this is Noel. And she's like, oh, hi. And she told me later on that Mike had always talked about his friend Noel but never showed her pictures. So she had this image of O'Neill's oh, puppeteer. So probably wears like <laughs> shirts with like beer logos, probably has a ponytail, some sort of facial yeah. hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was just like, oh. This is Noel. <laughs> this is Noel. And I made a point of sitting next to her for the competition. The next day we had a mutual friend's engagement party to go to. And we went. And then after we got back in the city, I asked for a number. She gave it to me. And so the next day I got bare. Later that week, started dating, and the rest is history. Yeah, that was a good week. <laughs> yeah, that was a good weekend. Those 72 oh hours gosh, were awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> All of that happened. Pretty really big. All that happened. It's, it's just like insane. Span of four days. It's like it's unbelievable. Oh yeah, my gosh. So, so you did bare. Yeah. And, you know, I should say, I do have something that I want to play from you from one of your co-stars, from Peter yeah. Lentz. So sometimes on the set of Bear in the Big Blue House, believe it or not, things could get kind of tense and people might get a little snappy. We worked long hours and, you know, many months on these, uh, on these seasons. Uh, but Bear had a wonderful way of keeping everything in perspective with a little song he would sing that went something like this. <laughs> Smile, it's just a puppet show. We're not curing cancer or the AIDS epidemic. Smile, it's just a puppet show. 
And Bear would do a little dance that went along with the song and immediately uh, lower the temperature of, yep. uh, of any conflict that was happening on the set at the time. <laughs> Love you, Noel. Those were some amazing years uh, making that show. Thank you, Bear. <laughs> Yes, it's true. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. That's true. You you had a little song. Uh, that's great. I mean, to lighten it, brought a little levity, lightened oh, the yeah. mood. It's just like, yeah, it was like it made it onto the rap tape. And so I don't know why, but it was like getting intense. It was just like, and I'm, I'm literally in bear. Just like, I really don't have time for this. <laughs> right. Like, there is seriously. a time limit when you're inside. So how long could exactly. you be inside bear? Kind of like for like 20 minutes, really. Jeez. Because of the fact, because unlike Big Bird, where your arm is straight up and it has to be straight up. Bear kind of like hunches. So I had a little more wiggle room of like being able to like lower my arm or raise my arm. So it could, it was a little more flow. But of course, I always remembered Carol's trick of like, oh, let's look up something way up there and throw the head back or look way down at your toes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just to get the blood flowing. But yeah, I would do, it'd be like a bit and they would say, no, can you stay in a little longer? It's like, sure, they would reset. So wow. there was this great, thing in between my legs, the saddle to help keep his body the way it was. But then I could just sit down. So I was just like, sit down in the saddle and like pull my arm out and just kind of like just sit and like close my eyes in my little office. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Because it, it's a little bit more complicated to take you out of bear than it is to yeah. pop the bird. Because you just literally yeah. just kind of back out of the bird. But yeah, exactly. there's a lot of zippers With and bear, snaps and oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah, I realized... If anything would have happened, I could never get out. It's like really, and so n- never. I, I couldn't. So I worked it out with like my wranglers. Like first was Christine, and then there was uh, Victoria, and then on the road it was Andrea Detwild. Pretty much like if anything happens, come over. Just take my hand. <laughs> I'll put my head on your shoulder and just walk me to the nearest yeah, exit. Lead me to safety. <laughs> yeah, just lead me to safety because I can't get out. It's like, oh my gosh. You're right, right though. Shy of dropping and rolling, I can't do yeah. anything. I would. I am stuck in here. But that said, it was really comfortable. Whenever they called and said, "No, do you have any time this week to come by and do a fitting?" and I would say, "I can be there in twenty minutes," mm-hmm. and I would just like go and just like because I realized let's make this as comfortable as possible. Bear was great because I would try things, and it was a way. Bear would say, "Oh no, don't do that." No. You know that feeling you're feeling right now? Yeah. Yeah. Don't do that again. Yeah. Don't, just don't. You don't want to do that. No. So tell me a little bit about the show. How did how were you able to shoot the show with all of the hand puppets around you? What was the set like? The set was actually raised up four and a half feet on this huge platform. The platform was actually left over from the ABC primetime show Alien in the Family that had Dave Rudman in it. Yeah, Dave Rudman was in that one. <laughs> and so, like, they kept they kept it. And so they built the big blue house and the Audubon and the attic on that platform so that you could pop pieces of it out so that the puppeteers could stand inside the pit and put their arm up. And then it would have these little thresholds, these little boards drilled into the side so that I wouldn't trip and fall and okay. crush my co-star. That's what <laughs> so I was wondering. <laughs> How did like you not step in a hole? With my foot like, stop. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, stop. <laughs> Stop now. But even, and, and of course, like for, for the longest time, the only vision I had was, you know, what the viewer would see at home. So I could not see directly in front of me. So I could just, so I would just like walk in and Bear would talk. But 
I would also kind of carefully feel with my feet where I'm okay, there it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so stop. Okay, we can stop now. So yeah. Yeah. Just like making sure I never fell in, not once. I was gonna ask was, if you ever had any accidents. Did but I'll no. bet somebody else on crew did, didn't they? Oh yeah, that's right. It's like Jack. It just yeah. like dropped. Someone else <laughs> like, fell for like, sure. Boom, just like fell. Just like just forgot. He he was okay, but it was like it was scary. Like yeah. don't be running into the set like that. <laughs> I can imagine yeah. that you you loved doing this show. I mean, you're you're the the star of this show and it how many episodes did you do? We did like 114 oh, episodes. And then you did a kind of a spin-off. We did a spin-off. Yeah, it was like Breakfast with Bear. Yep. And it was with Bear going to the real world, helping kids start their day. It was really wraparounds for like the little cartoons they had at the time, like Charlie and Lola. It's like mm-hmm. everybody remembers Charlie and Lola. It's like, yeah. And it was like a format that Bear would come in, help the kid do the morning mambo, go to cartoon, come back, have breakfast, talk about stuff, go to cartoon, come back. Kid would get dressed and brush teeth on it. Come go to cartoon, come back, and then wrap up something that the kid and bear would do together before the kid went off to school. And yeah. that was it. All that that the kid and bear did was ad libbed. We just really? made it up on, wow. on on the spot, whatever the kid was interested in, and that's that's what we did. And we had to audition like kids. There were kids here in New York, and then there were kids in Los Angeles because they wanted a wide range of kids. And I remember I said the way to do this is. I'll be in Bear, the kids come in, and I'll just start talking to them. Wow. And just engage with them. And whichever kid responds, like, that's the kid to consider. And whichever ones are kind of shy, then you can't. And I remember in Los Angeles, we was in this boardroom. The kids came in, and I was talking to the kids. And then these two kids would, like, sit on the floor with their hands (laughs) under their chin and, like, look up at Bear (laughs) as he was talking. And as Bear was asking himself, they would just, like, look, as if they were watching television. Right. And it's like... I need you to do okay. something more. <laughs> Thank yeah. you so much for Thank coming. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> Bye, Make sure cookies. you get an In-N-Out burger on the way home. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. But we, we, we went to a kid in uh, the Upper East Side of New York. He lived on like, something like the 37th floor. And Bear, he had breakfast on his balcony. Wow. That was great. And the kid, at the end, like what they could do together. And the kid loved making up stories about being a superhero. So he and Bear were superheroes. And the kid was Fantastic. It was the best. We did it one take. It was awesome. It was so epic. We asked him, like, could you be our kid all the time? (laughs) Just come (laughs) with us. You're the best. You're amazing. The other one I remember was going to Fort Irwin in California, and the kid lived on an army base. Fort Irwin, which is in the middle of the Mojave Desert Mm. and this little town, and Bear was there. And we were doing the scene for breakfast. And all of a sudden, the phone rings, so we had to stop recording. And the mom rushes over, and she picks up the phone and says, Hi. No, no, no. I, I can't talk now. No. No, Bear's in the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll talk to you later. Bye. And she, she, said, she came back and said, I'm so sorry. That was my husband. And, and Bear said, Wait a minute. Your husband who's stationed in Afghanistan? Call oh. him back. We will wait. It's fine. Yeah. It's okay. Whenever I traveled, I always asked if I could do like an appearance at like a children's hospital. So no matter what I was doing, if I was in Los Angeles, go to children's hospital, when I was in uh, Orlando, there's this great place, Give Kids the World. Mm-hmm. And I would make appearances there. Um, when we were promoting Bear in Mexico, I did this uh, uh, appearance at the, uh, the Mexican hospital in Mexico City. Like this is the hospital where poor people went. Mm-hmm. And so 
like one mom like thanked us for coming because nobody remembers people like us. Yeah. And they had brought kids who con- could come to the little auditorium to see the show. And I did it. And um, there was this one kid who was in a wheelchair in the front row. And he was paralyzed. Like his left side was paralyzed. And a bear singing a song. And I go up to him and I, I squat down. And I put my hand on his hand, and he's bear singing the song. There are things about you that I like, like, baby, it's you. And the kid, like, his right side, his mouth very slowly starts to curl up into a smile. That's all that could move. And while I'm seeing this, I can hear people go, uh-huh. <laughs> and like the sniffling. And yeah. inside I'm going, okay, smile, keep it together. Keep it together. Keep it together. Those are so hard, those appearances sometimes, but they mean so much to people. Oh, yeah. It, it, absolutely. Because that's why I wanted to do it for, I mean, even before yeah. I became a parent, I just knew that for parents, like having this moment where your kid isn't a patient anymore, and this mm-hmm. isn't a doctor, and this isn't a test. It's like your kid's a kid laughing at this character and you can actually just relax for those few moments and I remember after that that boy like the smile like went back in uh, got out of bear went to change went into the bathroom and I lost it yeah (laughs) just like We're only like, human oh, beings. He's like, damn it. <laughs> I'm not just a Dolly Wiggler. That's right. A Dolly Wiggler of the heart. That's right. And yeah, I've done, I've done like, like make a wishes down at um, Disney World. Um, mm-hmm. Kid, Give Kids the World is great because it's, it was started by this guy who worked at the park. And make a wish would work with you know, the Disney theme parks as well as the other parks. And he realized there should be some place, a central place where people, where families could come and stay and then go off and so he created give kids the world and he has deals with um the complex has deals with the rental car companies the airlines the all the theme parks all the like as many restaurants as possible where they even have what's called a rush wish where if the kid's so critical it they will get airplane tickets and everything arranged within 24 hours that they can bring the kids down and the rooms are big enough to accommodate any kind of medical equipment, if necessary, the parents can stay there too. Oh, what and a great I, thing! And I would go and do like little shows in their little uh, theater. And I remember doing this one show for this one kid who was, by sheer coincidence, her wish was to meet Bear. Oh, and so at that time, Bear was at the Disney Studios. The, the live show was there, so mm-hmm. they were going to go there and meet Bear. They had no idea. I had no idea. That she was there. And so they, she actually got to meet the real Bear. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> Before good. going and then seeing the show and then meeting Bear afterwards. That's and great. so to cover, to cover my bases, Bear said, well, you know, after that show, I'm going to be a little tired, especially my voice. So I might not talk very much yeah. when I see you, but now you know why. Yeah. That's so <laughs> great. The, those bears weren't allowed to talk. No, not allowed to say anything. <laughs> oh, wow. What a connection you made with her, though. Yeah. It was, it was great. What an amazing yeah, thing. Yeah. The whole point of it. I mean, that's what I'm doing now with um, with Bear because I have like my, my little Bear puppet that was made by yeah. James Voigt Hall Jr., who's one of the designers of and um, builders of Bear. So he made like the head. And I remember I got it because our mutual friend Paul McGinnis and yep. Haley Jenkins yes. were getting married, uh-huh. and Paul wanted Bear and Pip and Pop, Tyler Bunch and Peter Lynch, <laughs> to sing like a song at the reception. And I was like, oh, okay, sure, we do that. Because Haley was one of the puppeteers down in Orlando for the Bear Show. That's so right. she remembered yeah. 
being a part of the show and she remembers the song and she loved the show. So I was like, sure. And I was starting to think about it. It's like, you know, it's, it's kind of weird and kind of dorky to have three grown guys just standing up there <laughs> <laughs> doing these voices. Yeah. Like, um, so I thought, what if I could make the puppets? So I got Purple Fur and tried my attempt at making Pip and Bob. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got this fur that kind of matched closely to Bear. And so I started asking James. I started texting him one day. It's like, okay, um, how should I do this? Like, what pattern should I use? And it's like, he tried drawing me a pattern. It's like, okay, so should I do that? I just kept asking questions before I cut anything. So <laughs> finally, after like the 12th text, he's like, no, just send me the fur. Just, just, just I'll do it. I'm going <laughs> to do it. I'll build it. I just, just, it's like, are you sure? Yes. And so I sent it to him, and I didn't see it until that morning of the wedding. And he knocked on the door of my room, and I opened the bag, and I was floored. Like, yeah, it looks just like it. It looks like Bear got stuck in the dryer. <laughs> just <laughs> like straight down. Yeah, but he's good. It's so really him, yeah, good. Yeah so, yeah, so I call him Cub. So it's really, it's <laughs> like really little. But, and I've been using him on like TikTok uh-huh. and on the Cameo. And yeah. just like people have just been responding unbelievably. Like, also, kids who grew up are now introducing their children. <laughs> I know. Okay. It's, <laughs> that's when you do feel a little old. It's late. Well, yeah. kids. <laughs> I mean, we didn't even get to talk about, like, you 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 wrote for Bear in the Big Blue House. You directed Bear in the Big Blue House. Uh, but, but let me ask you, you this. You were on Bear in the Big Blue House. I was. I got to be in a bear, didn't I? I got to be yes, a Carmen. Ursa. Carmen Ursa. voiced it, right? Yeah, Carmen did the voice of that's Ursa, right. Bear's friend. Friend. <laughs> <laughs> and you were inside. So that's it was right. like the uh, PR bear. Yeah. Put a shawl around her because right. uh, Ursa came from Spain and it was yeah. for the big um, Harvest Moon party. Mm-hmm. And so it was at the end of season two because we we didn't know if we were coming back. So we thought, okay, let's really have this really grand finale in yeah. case we don't come back. So let's have every character who's been in the show so far be in this scene. So we had everybody. And that's when we do the extended version of the goodbye song. Where Peter Lurie yeah. had to go back and ag- add, add some stuff, <laughs> add some filler, yeah, so that people get a line. And so, yeah, and then at the end, uh, right. Bear and um, Ursa sit and like look at the stars, which was which was very sweet because Bear, Bear was the, like a grown up character, yeah. And so it's like, yeah, Bear could have a friend, a friend. Yeah. Well, he deserves <laughs> to have Ursa a friend, would talk to Luna from her balcony in Spain, so yeah. It's like what? Yeah. So it was a very, it was a very special show because of the fact that it was like our turn. It's like me, Peter, Tyler, Vicky, Krupa. It was like having worked on all these other shows. Like it was now our turn to work on, and it was a Muppet show. It was like yeah. part of the Muppet universe. So yeah. you know, we got to be Muppets. Yeah, and work, like the Jim Henson company, originating these it. characters, originating, originating these characters, so good, like, doing it, and it became kind of established that the grown-up characters would have these sort of clear adultish voices. But all kid characters would have kind of cartoony voices. Yeah. And that made the show really like rich in the way it, it sounded. And it was also the fact that the first season we didn't have much of a budget. So we would <laughs> we would try things, realize, well, we ain't getting the money for this. So we would figure out ways to like do it. And then it would work. And so we really like took pride in in what we did. Yeah. And the fact that people still remember this little show is amazing. Yeah. What, what would you like to see happen with Bear? Like <laughs> on Disney Plus? You know, yeah. <laughs> Just put the show. That'd on. be great. It would be so easy to do. I mean, you finally put the Muppet Show on. Uh, so yeah. Let's uh... <laughs> figure out a way to do this. Yeah. The audience would be huge. It would be 
so huge. I don't think they realize how many people would actually watch the show. What a tick they would get in the ratings watching it. In particular from families of kids with autism and special needs. Mm -hmm. They want this show on because this show has resonated so much with autistic and special needs kids. So it's like, put the show on, Disney Plus. Well, fingers (laughs) crossed that it'll happen. I hope that it does. Noel, you've got so many other interests. I mean, really, you do. I mean, you're an author. You've written a book about puppetry. Yes, uh, which ten- Jerry Nelson actually wrote the That's right. for. That's right, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and another uh, a book called Box, which yes. is about making cardboard uh, creations with your kids, right? Yeah, anything, any kind of cardboard that comes in. It came from, both of those books were from an idea that Susan had, my wife. Susan, Susan Elia McNeil, yeah. author of the Maggie Hope Mysteries. Yeah, very, very popular on Amazon, <laughs> series of books, seller. yes. And she came up with this idea of like, you're a puppeteer, you know how to make puppets, why don't you write a book to show parents how easy and economical it can be? But she said, write it for people like me, mm. who are not Martha Stewart. I am not crafty. <laughs> <laughs> she makes so a mean book, cocktail, though. I've seen pictures. Oh, yeah. No, she's crafty in a whole other way. <laughs> right, Okay. <laughs> It doesn't happen to be like you know, glue and paper mache. That's yeah, fine. That's like, not her. But those like those quarantinis were great back yeah. in twenty twenty. So <laughs> that's yeah, right. she has like a whole skill level. So I would like for puppet like ten minute puppets. I would like show her something, and she would look at it and like take a pen and just like start crossing out like instructions, just like oh. pretty much to the point where I would just show it to her. She would glance at it and just like simpler because <laughs> like too cool. many steps. Simpler. So she was like your editor. Yeah, exactly. Just like, nope, simpler. Wow, like, that's cut it great. Out. That's so and good to have somebody like that to help you. Yeah, yeah exactly. In-house. Yeah, in-house, right. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, could you just look yeah, just this over? Help me on yeah, and, it was, and then I help her. I, I, I get to read her books first, and I get oh, to make yeah. little notes, and I get to add little things. That's and pretty good. I make like little suggestions, and so it gets in there. So yeah, yeah so we definitely help each other. Inspire. The way my mom supported me to begin puppetry. Susan continued to support me while I'm still doing this. Yeah. So, and that takes, as you know, puppeteers who are married, that takes a lot <laughs> for a spouse <laughs> yeah, it really does. to be in the long haul. It really does. Of this. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that yeah, comes along a lot with of stuff. who we are. Yeah. Like, we don't want to, no, that's right. another podcast. Yeah. It's like, it's that's like, right. But no, it's like, she's like, Totally supportive. And then not only the best wife, but the best mom, like our son, again, named Matt. Yep, yep. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. How old is Matt? Night. Is he 16? Oh, he's 16. Going oh, my on 40. God. And he's a, he's a vocal major, so he's, he's like, you know, going to perform in art school. And he started, his freshman year was, you know, fall of 2019. And then come the winter of 2020, something happened. Yeah. <laughs> so, but... Before it happened, I got to take him and his friend, Isaac, who's an acting major in the same school, to Sesame Street. Because I wanted to show, because Matt had been there. The last time Matt was there was for Marty's wedding. <laughs> it's been a while, yeah. So he has no memory yeah, of it at all. Yeah, it was a while ago. And Isaac's an acting major, so I wanted to show him like what it's like to act with puppets mm-hmm. as a human, as well as the fact that puppeteers are actors. Yeah. And so seeing the scripts and seeing them do everything. So got them to go over and got great pictures of them with the characters. And he and I had the, the, the best time. And of course, you know, visiting Sesame is like, everybody's great. I always remember when Richard Hunt would, anytime a kid would visit, Richard would just grab a puppet and just 
put it on, and just entertain the kids. Yeah. No matter what he was doing or wasn't doing, he would come out of the Muppet room and just and just like put on a puppet and entertain. We were doing the 25th anniversary, and there was this huge scene in the middle of the street with all these kids, and they had to, we had to stop because they had to reposition something. And so Richard just takes his puppet, stands up, and just starts like a sing-along and just like starts entertaining the kids just to keep them interested and just to keep it keep it going. Wow. That was great. I loved I loved Richard. He could be really sarcastic <laughs> when he really wanted to be. I that's what I, I remember I heard. when I first worked there as a Wrangler, he was like, he was so mean to me. He <laughs> just like it got to the point where I went over to take the puppet from him. He was on the floor next to Jerry and I came over to take the puppet, and rather than reach down, he threw it at oh. me. He just tossed it at me. <laughs> and uh, I grabbed it, and I glared at him, and I turned to walk away, and he calls it, hey! And I turned back around, and he said, if I didn't like you, I'd be nice to you. And I leaned down, and I said, well, Richard, you must effing love me. <laughs> and he yeah. laughed, but it was I'm that good. really honest, big yeah. laugh that Richard laughed and after that we were fine yeah <laughs> and he again loved my mother he loved edna so much <laughs> like, hard not to like just come to cross the studio to, to be with her actually i'm so sad that he couldn't wasn't alive for our wedding but carol and debbie couldn't make it they were i think we're in hawaii at the time but we invited fran brill and we invited jerry and jan and when the RSVP came in from Jerry and Jan, I showed it to Susan, and Susan like, oh my God, the count is coming to my wedding. <laughs> it was great. It was like, and, and Fran, Fran is wonderful. Fran yeah. is so old school etiquette. She was the first to RSVP. Yep. She was the first to send a thank you card, the first to send a, a wedding gift. She was on, on top it. of it. And it was just like, yes. And it was, and the thing was, it was, it was handwritten. That was the other thing too. It's just like, this is old school. This is yeah. class. Yeah, yeah. This is really good. So I remember like Fran, like meeting Fran and meeting like Carol. But when I met Jim and Frank on Sesame, walking in and seeing these guys and seeing Frank, shaking his hand, and then shaking Jim's hand, and then something like electric. I don't know, what, I can't describe the feeling, but it was just like this, this catharsis or something, just like, I could just feel it just run through my body when I shook his hand, because it's like, it's, wow. like, it's Jim Henson. Oh my God, it's Jim Henson. Yeah. <laughs> I'm shaking hands with Jim Henson. Yeah. And then I got to like work with Jim and like right hand, but that first time, it's like, oh my God. And That's people so ask, cool. like, what was he like? It's like, he's exactly what you think. He was like, quiet. He didn't have to yell. I mean, one time, it was like we, we stopped for something, and there was a, a bit, and there was like adjusting lighting, and Jim like walked over to where the lighting, like the little portable lighting station was with the blossom on it, and the guy was looking up, and Jim like looked up and it's like, it's like, are you going to use that one? Oh. Hmm. Okay. And just like walked away, <laughs> and the guy just like, it's like, Use number five. <laughs> <laughs> like, just had a way about him. Just like, yeah, just like very quiet. It's like I was doing Ernie's right hand one time and um, had to adjust something. So um, Mark, the Zezatech, came over and said, like, should I take Ernie? And Jim was like, no, it's like, it's okay. And so we had two Apple boxes. So he's still on Ernie. I'm still on Ernie's right hand. We're sitting down next to each other. And immediately I'm thinking, it's like, say something, say something. Come on, you're sitting next to Jim Henson. Say something. 
Come on, people would give their right arm to talk to Jim. Well, that'd be ridiculous. They couldn't really write hand. Focus, no, focus, focus. Yeah. And so I remember a trick that my mom taught me. And she said, whenever you want to start a conversation and get people talking, ask about their kids. And so I said, Jim, how are the kids? And he just started talking about the kids and like all of them, what they were doing. And he was like, thanks for asking. So I was like, wow. sure, it worked. And it's like, thank you, mom. Because wow. <laughs> I figured he got asked about puppetry. I was like, all the time. I'm sure. Talk about something he really wants to talk about. It's like, no parent does not hesitate bragging about their kid. That's true. That's true. So. Oh my gosh, Noel, we have so many things to talk about, but we're, we're running out of time. So I'm going to just, I, I know. <laughs> I told I'm, you I had the King of Blatheron. I, it's now it's time great. For that seventh Jerry Nelson story that we're coming up to now. <laughs> we'll have to, we'll save it for another time. But what we'll do now is I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions. All right, oh, so okay. whatever comes to the top of your head. Are you ready? Sure. Here we go. Wow, it's like acting studio for puppets. Right? That's right. What's the hardest part about being a puppeteer? Not being able to play enough of it. What's the easiest part? Oh, playing with your friends. Yeah. What's your biggest strength as a puppeteer? Um, I would say, first of all, preferring body puppets to, to hand puppets, because yeah. I'm just like, you know, a masochist. But uh, <laughs> biggest strength is just like really appreciating good character. Like I learned a long time ago that it's character Sometimes over technique. Technique really does help. I mean, it's like a kind of this dance you have to do between technique and character. But I remember one of the best characters, two, two people who were really good at characterization. One was Bert Tilstrom, who was amazing with characterization. And his lip sync for Ollie was squat, but it didn't <laughs> matter because it was just brilliant. And the other one was Jerry Nelson. Jerry was like such a master at characterization and voices. Yeah. It was unbelievable yeah. how good he was. So yeah. I really appreciate a good character. Yeah, love that. What's your biggest weakness as a puppeteer, do you think? Oh, uh, uh, I'd say probably impatience with okay. really <laughs> bad scripts. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like, this could be so much better. <laughs> like, well, oh as a writer, God. that totally makes sense, right? Yeah, exactly. It makes sense, because you can see the problems. Yeah. You can see it. Yeah, it's just like, sorry, like patience. Yeah. Uh, okay, if you were not a puppeteer, uh, or a writer, or a director, <laughs> or an Ooh. author, uh, what would you be? <laughs> oh, uh, wow. I, I, I've... People have asked me that, and I thought, I, I, I guess maybe I would make, somehow try and be an actor. And just like, actually, you know, be a, you know, a fleshy who says lies. Because yeah. it's like, yeah, you can play George Washington. Yeah, yeah you're, you're absolutely. A black kid with, who's bald? Yeah, you can play George Washington, sure. <laughs> it's like, you're a Hispanic girl, you want to play George Washington? Play George Washington, it's fine. You could do that. So I wish I had that as like inspiration when I was a kid. But yeah, yeah so I guess I would, some, I would somehow, somehow be in the entertainment industry. So Jerry Nelson once said to me, Sesame Street's great, but always have something that is your own, that you create. Now, Noel, you have a bunch of things that you do, including like a, a book nook podcast and the show me show and a, and a ton of other things. So I'm going to ask you, is there something that, uh, that you still want to create or do? Uh, yeah, there's like, I want to, I, like last year, it was like I remember during Shakespeare's birthday, which by coincidentally is also the day he died. Oh. And I did this little TikTok with a bear, my bear, saying the last couple of lines of uh, Midsummer Night's Dream. And I thought, 
I want to do Shakespeare. It's like, I want to be in a Shakespeare play. So wow. That's like a challenge. And then in terms of uh, creating, I, well, I'm actually, it's like, I've been like uh, writing this book. I started during the pandemic and it's this book that I've been writing about um, um, Sleeping Beauty. And it's called, uh, right now it's called Spindled. And it's about what happened while she was cursed. Uh, and I'm going to finish that up. So yeah, just like reading something like that. That's so great. Different. Well, I wish you good luck with that. It, it, it's going to be awesome, I'm sure, because you're doing it. Dope, I, stop. <laughs> I always love talking with you and spending time with you. I can't wait to be in an actual room in the real room with you. So, Noel, thank you so much for talking to me. I appreciate it. Thank you. This was great. I remember the last time we were, like one time we were, it was for the Hollywood Bowl, yeah. and we were all at dinner at that hamburger joint. Oh, yeah. All of us together. Yeah. And it was like you, me, and Peter, and Pam. It was like all these people together, like running the gamut of children's <laughs> television. So it was great talking to you again, and this time we don't have to split the check. That's true. <laughs> And there you have it. That's Below the Frame. We'll be back with a brand new episode next week where we'll be speaking with Paul Rudolph. You can get updates and stuff about Below the Frame and Muppets and Sesame Street and anything I want to post about on my Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok accounts at Welcome Matt V, or you can just search my name. Below the Frame is produced by me, Matt Vogel. And if you like the show, please rate and review it where you get your podcasts. I thank you very, very much. The theme song for Below the Frame was written by Stephanie DeBruzzo and performed by my band, The Mighty Weaklings. The podcast logo was created by Dave Holtine at DaveHoltineDesign.com. Thanks to Noel McNeil, Ryan Dillon, Jen Barnhart, and as always, my son Jack, for being a part of this episode. And thanks to you, the fans, for listening. I am Matt Vogel. We'll see you next time when we go Below the Frame. Bye. Go, go, go.